welcome to the Murder and Mystery Podcast. I'm your host, Summer. For those of you who have been listening to this podcast for the last year and a half, you know that I've been doing two stories per episode, and that is changing. If you saw the video or any of the posts, then you are aware of the changes, but I want to let you know about some of those right now. I started this podcast with Lisa, my sister, and we had so much fun in the beginning. If you listened to any of those earlier ones, then you heard those. They were probably so much better than these, but unfortunately with her kids, she has younger kids than I do, and with COVID and homeschooling and so much has come up for her lately, she has not been able to do regular episodes for a while. And in talking about this, she has stepped down from being a regular host. I was looking at this and made the decision to go ahead and cut some of the subject matter that I had been covering in this podcast because I really want to focus this podcast more on true crime and then i want to i'm going to start another podcast that will focus only on supernatural and strange weird phenomena um, mysterious things like that so our murder and mystery here is going to be more murder mystery true crime that type of stuff and so I'm going to cut it down to one story per episode. Then I will have the other podcast that I will have one story per episode. So with that being said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to re-edit our earlier episodes. And uh, today starts our new format and these new changes so i hope that you enjoy this and well happy spooktember i really like to do spooktember and focus on the movie genre because i really like watching spooky movies and so i wanted to pick a story that kind of went along with a movie. Uh, Usually I pick something that is based on, like the movie was based on. And when I started looking at this, I realized this movie isn't based on it, but there are so many similarities, it was unreal. So let's dive right in. You know, horror movies that are centered around evil children are terrifying on so many levels and that's the reason that so many writers directors producers use these types of characters because it's really spooky to have this 
child that's evil and is that main character. So, in 2009, there was a movie that came out that focused on a child that was adopted from, I believe it was Russia, and this child was, well, every parent's worst nightmare. I'm talking about the 2009 movie Orphan. So this this child this child was, well, um, she healed people. She tried to hurt the family multiple times. She used manipulation, psychological torture. It was really an intense movie. And so for anybody who's thinking of adopting, especially adopting a child from overseas, or anybody who's babysitting somebody else's child, especially a child that you don't know very well, and you're bringing this child into your home, it can be kind of scary to have a child that you don't really know, or to be thinking about this and keeping these evil type children that you've seen in these movies in your mind. And then when this movie came along, she really, she raised the bar. And then at the end, you had this big twist. So if you have not seen this movie and you do not want spoilers for this movie, I am going to suggest that you turn this podcast off right now. You don't listen to this episode and you go watch this movie and then you come back and listen to this episode because this episode will spoil the movie. So I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to turn off this episode. Okay, so... The big twist is she wasn't a child. She was really an adult with dwarfism who was masquerading as a child. So it made this movie so good because she looked like a child, but she didn't really act like a child. And when they did this twist, you could really see the more adult mannerisms come out. But could this really happen in real life? I mean, could a small person, a little person, um, somebody with this condition really be able to masquerade as a young child? Could somebody who is short even really be able to trick people into thinking that they're much younger. I mean, I'm pretty short, but I don't think at my age I could go back and fool you into thinking that I'm 10 or 11 years old because of my height. Now that, that just does not seem real. So looking at a person and judging their age based on their height just isn't really real. However, There is a couple that claimed that this has actually happened to them. So this movie isn't based on this. It's more like life imitating art. Because 
this all happened in 2010. This all started in 2010, which is the year after the movie came out. So this is when Christine and Michael Burnett of Lafayette, Indiana, adopted a six-year-old Ukrainian girl. So Natalia Grace was born on September 4, 2003 in the Ukraine. She was born with a rare form of dwarfism. And I'm going to try to say this, but I promise I'm going to mess it up, okay? She had spondylopiphyseal dysplasia congenita. So this is a bone growth disorder, and it also causes vision and hearing problems. Uh, she also had other health issues as well on top of this. So she had this really rare condition. Not only did she have dwarfism, but the type of dwarfism she had caused a lot of problems with the way that she would grow. It caused problems with her vision, her hearing, and her health in general. So her mother had other children, and none of them had um, this dwarfism. They were all normal height children. And her father left her mother while she was pregnant, which her mother knew that her child had issues, had some type of um, health issues while she when she was pregnant and so knowing that Natalia was going to have these severe health issues and she didn't have a husband and she had these other children she didn't feel that she would be able to care for her and provide her with the medical attention that she was going to need so she surrendered her to the state and Natalia, um, from birth, went into this group home. At some point, Natalia was brought to America for adoption. And she believes she was around five or six when this happened. It may have been a little bit younger. So let's start the story with Christine and Michael Burnett's version of what happened. So Christine and Michael Burnett say they were told about Natalia from this adoption agency and they were told that she needed an emergency adoption. They decided that they were going to adopt this little girl with these special needs and they packed up their family and they headed to Florida. This is where they met Natalia for the first time. Natalia joined their family, which included three autistic sons. They were biological children of Christine and Michael. And so she joined this family in Florida. They met. I couldn't really find anything that talked about if they had any visitation, if they met slowly, how long they were in Florida. But it made it seem like this was a pretty quick process. They met her and then took her into the family. So when they met Natalia, they were told she was six years old, and they were briefed about her medical issues. 
They were told she had been in the U.S. for two years and her previous adoption fell through for undisclosed reasons. And they didn't push for more information. At this time, they didn't really believe there were any issues. This was a helpless little girl. The adoption agency wasn't really saying that there were any issues, that there had been anything major. They didn't have anything listed in a case file. There wasn't anything to indicate that there was any major problems, so they didn't push to find out what had happened. So Christine says in an interview that Natalia was unable to walk at this time. When they adopted her, she could not walk. So they actually carried her from this agency when they adopted her. They carried her out. The family decided that in order to adjust to this newest member of the family and to have Natalia adjust to them, they would have a family vacation and kind of get to know each other before they went back to Indiana and jumped into regular life. They would have a little bit of fun. They were already in Florida, so they went to Disneyland and then they went to the beach. So everywhere they went, they had to carry Natalia or push her in like a wheelchair or something, or stroller. She didn't walk. Christine tells a reporter that, you know, they went to Disneyland, it was hot, they were tired, they came back, they went to the beach, and they get to the beach, and her three boys take off running to the water. But Christine and Michael, they're really tired, and they're trying to set up, like, you know, the little area where they're going to sit and everything, and Natalia's wanting them to carry her to the water. They tell her she's going to have to wait a minute, and then one of them will take her to the water. Christine says at this time, I guess Natalia didn't want to wait to be carried to the water. She wanted to join her brothers, and so she stands up and takes off running to the water. And Christine says that she and Michael look at each other, and it's like, I thought this girl couldn't walk, right? I mean, all this time, they're told she can't walk. They're carrying her around, and here she goes running to the water. So, I guess she can actually walk. Christine says this is the first indication that something was wrong. A little bit later, she went to bathe her, and she sees that Natalia has pubic hair. And not just a little bit of pubic hair, but a lot of pubic hair. Um, This is not normal for a six-year-old girl. A six-year-old girl should not have a ton of pubic hair. So, this is really odd. This strikes them as really strange, and they start to have some questions. But even with this, they don't question it. They don't go back to the adoption agency and say, Hey, wait a minute. I want to ask about this they still take her home and complete the adoption process but this wasn't the only sign that they had that their six-year-old daughter might actually be older than what she was christine says that her vocabulary was more sophisticated than an average six-year-old She didn't like to play with dolls. She didn't really like to play with toys. She preferred to hang out with teenagers. She really didn't like to play with kids her own age. 
And so she thought, you know, this was odd. She wasn't really acting like a six-year-old. And then there were physical signs as well. Christine started finding clothes that were stained with what looked like menstrual blood. So it looked like she was trying to hide the fact that she was having periods. So with all of this going on, Christine decided to talk to Natalia's doctor. And when they talked, the doctor said, okay, yeah, that doesn't sound right. Let's do a bone scan. And they did a bone scan. And we'll get into that later because this is complicated. So we'll talk about that later. But Christine, she talks to multiple doctors and she states that she gets doctors that verifies what she's seeing. And that says that Natalia's at least 14 years old. At least. She may be older than that. But Christine starts to dress her as a young teenager and treat her more like a teenager. Because, okay, my six-year-old is not actually six. She's older. So we're going to start treating her as older. Now... I think at this point I would be calling the adoption agency. I would be trying to find out what was going on here and why this was going on. But she doesn't really do that. She she gets this. She starts dressing her older. She starts treating her older. Within the next two years, while this story plays out... Christine says Natalia tries multiple times to kill her. So she tries to kill Christine. Says that she wants to kill her brothers. So all this sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, if you've seen the movie The Orphan, that sounds pretty much like that movie, right? Christine says that Natalia tried putting cleaning supplies in her coffee and she tried to push her or pull her into an electric fence. She threatened to stab the family in their sleep. Christine also says that she would wake up in the middle of the night and find Natalia standing in her and Michael's bedroom holding a knife and staring at her. I mean, this is really creepy. So Christine isn't able to sleep. She's scared to death of this girl. And so they start getting her therapy. Because, you know, she apparently has some really major issues. And they're really scared. So Christine says that during the sessions, that therapists say that Natalia tells the therapist that she is going to kill her brothers and she's going to kill Christine and she gives them details of how she's going to dispose of their bodies and I am so sorry about my dog he is very barky <laughs> and I I don't know what's going on out there he's outside and he is just barking up a storm but anyway, she's, she's telling them how she's going to dispose of their bodies. Not only kill them, but dispose of their bodies. So, in 2012, Natalia is put inpatient uh, because of these violent tendencies. 
So while she's in this inpatient facility and stuff, she is talking to her doctors and she's telling them that she's actually much older than what she looks. So in 2012, she would actually be like nine years old, but she's telling them that she's actually 18 and that, you know, she just looks like a little kid. And she continues to tell them about her fantasies about killing her family and things. And so she goes through this whole inpatient program and then she comes back to Christine and Michael. So she's about eight, nine years old at this time, depending on the time of year. So it's during this time, and I'm not sure if she's still inpatient when they do this or what, but Christine and Michael get a letter from a doctor stating that Natalia's physiological attributes indicate she is not a child, but she is a grown woman. And they take this letter to a judge. They explain everything they're going through. They explain everything that they have seen. And this judge changes Natalia's birth date from September 4th, 2003 to September 4th, 1989. So this girl goes from like eight years old to 22 years old with the flick of a pen with one signature. She's eight and then suddenly she's 22. That sounds kind of crazy to me. I can't imagine. That kind of makes my head spin. I, I I don't know. I mean, that's when those 13 going on 30 or Freaky Friday moments. Um, I'm 8 and suddenly I'm an adult. But the Barnetts used this change of birth date to get Natalia set up in an apartment. They get her on social security disability. They get her food stamps. And then they leave her in this apartment. Christine said that they checked on her every day. They made sure that she was taking care of herself. They kind of taught her how to take care of herself. And they, they spent a year. They, they wanted to give her a year to teach her how to take care of herself. And Christine, in an interview, defended this saying she was actually 22 years old. And so I'm doing what any parent would do, what I, what I do for my other children, my biological children, I guess. I'm setting her up to live. I'm setting her up in her first apartment. I bought her furniture from Target. I, I did all of these things for her. We paid her rent for the first year. We got everything ready for her. And she was set for her very first year of life as an adult. And we were checking in on her and really trying to help her to succeed in life as an adult. During this time when they're teaching her how to be an adult and trying to get her out of their house and everything, 
one of their sons, you know, remember they have these three autistic sons. One of their sons was really excelling in physics. And he has this opportunity to go to this special school in Canada. And this is a big deal for him. So, within this first year, you know, they're teaching her and they're trying to get her ready to live on her own and everything. And they've got this son that's doing really well and he has this op big opportunity coming up and they're wanting him to be able to go to this school. Well, Natalia gets evicted from this apartment. And I really didn't find much saying why she got evicted, but you know she's eight nine years old or at least you know believes that she's eight nine years old acts like she's eight nine years old is trying to think make them think she's eight or nine years old and so she's living in this apartment on her own she gets evicted from this apartment so the Burnett's go and get her another apartment this time it's in this house that is divided into small apartments. And she's right next door to this other family and they get her set up in this apartment and get everything, you know, set up for her. Then Christine helps her get into the Lafayette Adult Learning Academy, which is to help her get her GED. The thing is, this school only allows those who can pass a test showing at least a middle school knowledge and she still is able to get into this school they get her set up in these classes and once she's all set the Burnett's move to Canada they have her bills set up to where they're paying her bills and they check in on her every other day but it doesn't take long a few weeks a month at the most and Natalia just kind of drops off the face of the earth. They stop hearing from her. They can't make contact with her. And then Christine says, I just thought she found another family to scam. I just thought she was running this same scam with another family. And then they get a notice that the payee for, for Natalia benefits was being changed from Michael to this other family. About a year or so later, Michael and Christine have divorced and Michael moves back to Indiana. When he comes back to Indiana, police come in and start questioning him about having left Natalia in this apartment by herself. Within a matter of weeks, both Christine and Michael are charged with child neglect. So in 2020, these charges are dropped by a judge because technically she was not a child at that time. They'd had her birth date changed. She was an adult. She was not a child. However, there are still charges pending on medical neglect, neglect of a dependent due to Natalia's inability to care for herself, and so they still have charges on them because they left her and she wasn't able to care for herself. And she's, she's saying that she couldn't take care of herself. Medically, she needed a lot of help. 
so she's considered medically needy, and they abandoned her. But technically, she wasn't a child because they got her birth date changed. So this trial is actually still ongoing. There is no resolution yet. But that was just one side of the story. Let's look at Natalia's side because she's come out and she's talked a little bit to the press. So she has denied lying about her age. She insists that she is currently 16 years old and not a 33-year-old woman. Natalia says she remembers actually living in this group home of some kind in the Ukraine. She remembers an American couple coming to see her several times when she was younger. And then they adopted her and she moved to the U.S. She remembers this. She believes that she was around the age of six, but she could have been younger at that time. There was an interview uh, that was done in one of the articles that I read with a boy that uh, from one of these group homes that talked about how they figured out their age. There was also a lot of articles that I read about the Ukraine and how notorious they were at Losing birth certificates, not having birth certificates, falsifying birth certificates. You know, kids in these group homes not knowing how old they were, having nothing, no identification, nothing. So in these group homes, this boy said the way that they figured out how old they were was they took the tallest child and kind of tried to figure out how long he had been there or she had been there and an approximate age for that child. And once they figured out that age and determined that age just by, you know, how long that child had been there, say that child had been there since birth, and the people that worked there and the child could say, oh, I've been here about 10 years, so I'm 10 years old. And then the next shortest child is nine years old and then the next shortest child's eight well of course natalia has this dwarfism she's little bitty she's tiny so she's going to get a very young age if that's how they did this if that's how they came up with their birth certificate however her mother her biological mother has come forward and she has hospital records and things that show her birth and show the she has the adoption or the records where she surrendered Natalia to the state and all of this information that shows that her birth date is in 2003. So this also kind of goes along with Natalia saying I am 16. I am the age that I'm saying I am. But she could be getting her age wrong as far as when she came over. At that time, she was young and she's 16 now looking back on that. But anyway, she says that she came over and she was adopted by this family. She said that this family had two boys that were around her age. 
and she was really close to one of these boys. They played all the time, and sometimes they played kind of rough. So Natalia was talking about this on Dr. Phil. Now I'll tell you, I'm not a huge fan of Dr. Phil, but I did get a lot of information from Dr. Phil because that was one of the only places that she gave an interview. And that was where almost all of the articles and everything I found had gotten their information. So she did this interview with Dr. Phil. And so she was talking to Dr. Phil and she tells him that she was playing with this boy and she fell and kind of fell on the boy's arm wrong because they were wrestling around. And the mother thought that she was trying to hurt him. She was trying to break his arm. So their mother said, and she said, quote, I can't take it anymore. This is what Natalia said. The mother said, I can't take it anymore. And that's when she surrendered her back to the adoption agency. Natalia didn't, couldn't remember how long she'd actually been in the home. She said she liked the home, that she was happy there. She thought that it was going to be a good home. And then this happened. When Dr. Phil asked her what the mother meant by, I can't take it anymore, you know, was she mad at her a lot? And Holly said no. She didn't know what she had meant. She didn't understand. So, I mean, and she was a kid. And kids don't always understand what adults are saying or why they're so frustrated or what's going on. So that happened. So she was surrendered back to the state, went back into this foster system, and then she began visitations with Vincent and Nicole DePaul in Albany, New York, and this was in 2009. So she started staying with the DePauls for long weekends she became really close to the family. They had a daughter that was about her age, and she became really close to the daughter. And this family planned to adopt her. So I have to say that this family also had dwarfism. The daughter also had dwarfism. So they all knew exactly what Natalia was going through. They understood at least somewhat understood her health issues. They understood everything that she was going through and everything she was going to face as she grew up. They had a house that was set up for their height and for to meet their needs. So it was the perfect arrangement for Natalia. And Natalia said she felt loved there she really enjoyed it there. So the DePauls actually showed reporters copies of the adoption papers that had Natalia's birth date as September 4th, 2003. They showed pictures of Natalia where she had missing teeth and adult teeth coming in so you could see where the teeth had fallen out the baby teeth had fallen out and you could see the little beginnings of the adult teeth growing in and then there were pictures later of natalia with those adult teeth fully in and you could tell 
in these pictures that, you know, she had these two adult teeth and then she still had little baby teeth around them. So there was a major difference there. They said that they had, you know, Nicole had bathed her and she did not have pubic hair. She did not have a menstrual cycle. She'd stayed with them numerous times. They really loved her. They really wanted to adopt her. And that adoption fell through. So they didn't really say why the adoption fell through. But basically, it was kind of speculated that it was a money thing. That money was the issue and was the reason that the adoption had fallen through. So... It is right at this time when the DePaul's adoption falls through that Natalia goes with the Burnett's instead. And she says that when she first went with the Burnett's, she was very happy. She felt loved. She felt like she was a part of the family. Uh, she denies that Christine brought up any issues at first. There were no issues about her not being able to walk. There was never anything said about her having pubic hair or menstrual cycles. Um, yeah, they took her to the doctor and got lots of exams and lots of things. But she had all these health problems. You know, she needed these different, you know, medical things done. So... There really wasn't anything that Natalia said that was brought up to her at first. That she thought everything was great. She said that this started to go downhill when Christine uh, first mentioned that first incident of Natalia trying to kill her. So... This was, well, so let's go back. Um, she also defended her speech. Natalia defended her speech um, saying that she actually had to grow up quickly because she was in the group home. She spent time with other families. And Christine says, Christine told Natalia she had been with like 30 different families since she'd been in America and she'd just been passed around from family to family. Natalia doesn't remember this. Um, she said that she only remembers the two families. She doesn't remember 30 families and stuff. But, you know, trauma can cause you to block out things. And so if she was passed around, if this was... something that was happening if she had been brought over at a young age and was passed around you know had multiple failed adoptions or something that could be you know a trauma issue you would really think somebody would be getting this little girl therapy though if this was going on anyway she says that you know she had been in these different homes she had to grow up quickly the Burnett's also said she didn't have an accent and she did not know how to speak her native language. 
they claimed that they had a family friend come over to talk to Natalia and she couldn't understand anything they said. However, it's actually documented that when they adopted her, they used a translator through the adoption and through the medical stuff because Natalia didn't know enough English. You know, she knew English, but her English wasn't really strong at that time. And so she was... So she was using this translator to help her understand what was going on, especially with the medical stuff. So we've got that. You know, she's denying any of this. And let me just say that a six-year-old with a large vocabulary can come from a six-year-old being around adults a lot a six-year-old being read to a lot, a six-year-old not being taught baby talk. Um, my kids, when they started school, they used some big words and had a big vocabulary. And their preschool teacher, or kindergarten teacher, sorry, their kindergarten teacher was very impressed with their vocabulary and the way that they used words. And that came from me reading to them a lot. And so, she could have a big vocabulary. That really, I don't think, is something that we can say indicates that she wasn't a six-year-old. So, Natalia denies all of the violence. She denies ever trying to kill, ever trying to harm the Burnett's. Um, she denies ever standing over their bed with a knife, ever talking about disposing of their bodies. You know, this wasn't something that she did, she said. There were two major issue, incidents that Christine talked about. And I will say, you know, on the Dr. Phil show, when she talked about these incidents, she did cry um, when she talked about you know how no she did not do this she was not violent toward them she didn't know why they would say that and that would be a very hurtful thing to hear parents saying things like that about you especially if they aren't true so that's I mean that would be really hard so Christine, uh, so Christine talked about these two major incidents, these two things that really pointed toward um, Natalia trying to kill her. She, but, you know, Natalia has a different perspective on these. Christine says that Natalia tried to poison her coffee with cleaning products. Natalia says that she actually was trying to finish dusting the tables, that they had missed a spot when they were dusting the tables. The pledge was on the counter and it was actually behind Christine's coffee. So she climbed up there, pushed Christine's coffee away and was reaching for the pledge when Christine walked in and started questioning what she was doing. The second time with the electric fence, Christine says that Natalia pushed or pulled, depending on the article that you read, or tried to push or pull, 
Christine into this electric fence. Natalia says that her legs were tired and they were hurting and so she sat down and she was being very stubborn and Christine was trying to pull her up and she didn't want to get up and Christine fell. And Christine fell down by Natalia and the electric fence happened to be close by but it wasn't that close by she didn't touch it she didn't fall near it there was just an electric fence there and that's Natalia's version of what happened so then let's talk about the medical stuff you know I mentioned that Natalia had bone scans around the age of six that when Christine started seeing all these things and became concerned she took her to the doctor and got these bone scans. Well, she also had these same bone scans done again around the age of 12. And according to everything that I found, these scans actually said that she was approximately around the age she should have been. Christine tries to say that these bone scans show that she was much older but then there are just a lot of mixed reports as far as how she found that. None of them actually say bone scans. They, they say that she had doctors verify, she had doctors say. But everything that I found that said bone scans, the bone scans verified that she was approximately the age that she should have been at that time. So how did they get this letter? This letter was written by Michael's doctor. Yes, Michael Burnett, the dad. His doctor did not treat Natalia regularly. He did not was not an expert on Natalia's medical issues. However, he wrote this letter. I'm guessing based on what he was told based on seeing her and getting this ideal formed in his head because they're telling him all these things. And so he wrote this letter and this letter was the one that was used to change her birth date. So this is when Christine and Michael helped Natalia, an eight-year-old girl, an eight-year-old, and I want to stress that, eight years old get an apartment on her own by everything that I found by everything that I read it seems that Natalia was telling the truth that Natalia was not an adult she was eight years old and they get her an apartment they spend about a year trying to help her learn to live on her own she gets evicted they get her another apartment. They get her into these adult classes. Apparently, she's really smart, and she's able to get into these adult classes to get her GED. You know, she's working on all of this stuff, and they're checking in on her and everything, but she's still having to sleep there at night by herself. She's basically spending her life locked behind a door, and going out, walking to school, and coming back. She doesn't have a family. She doesn't have anybody. 
and she starts talking to the neighbors. She goes to A meetings with the neighbors, not because she has a drug problem, but because she needs somebody to talk to. She she really she clings to the adults that she finds that she can trust. And that's where she meets this this family that now is taking care of her. The neighbors knows this family and they contact them and say, you know, I know that you help out people. This girl, she says she's 22. There's no way she's 22. She really needs your help. And they come and they meet her and this mom says, uh, yeah, I knew she wasn't 22 from the beginning. And Natalia says, my mom, Christine, said, for me to tell anybody who asked, I was 22. And that was that. I was 22. And so that's what she told everybody. I was 22. And so that's the life she tried to leave. You know, this little girl from the age of 8, 9 years old, she turned 9 during this time, to about the age of 12, 13 years old, she lived on her own with at first her adoptive parents helping her and being there and supporting her but she was still staying the night on her own she was still spending most of the day on her own and then being completely on her own while her parents weren't even in the country and depending on other adults strange adults to help her because how does a child that age know how to take care of themselves? So, what was going on? If Natalia's telling the truth, and all of this really points to her telling the truth, and everything that she says is true, she never harmed or never threatened this family, what could be the motives for Christine and Michael Burnett telling this crazy story and getting her age changed and leaving Natalia on her own. But one thing that was pointed to in numerous articles was that part of Natalia's medical issues includes the need for multiple surgeries, which they were told about in the adoption. In fact, they were given a schedule for these surgeries. And the school that Natalia was enrolled in, this elementary school, was given a schedule of these surgeries when they enrolled her so that the school knew, you know, when to expect her out and, you know, what was going on. Well, there's documentation at Natalia's school that they had a conversation with Michael about the fact that Natalia was overdue on her surgeries and it was affecting her well-being. So the school was advocating that her medical things were not being taken care of, that basically this family was neglecting her medical, medically. So without these surgeries, Natalia would have difficulty moving and would be in constant pain. Okay, so I, I have some chronic pain. My pain isn't that bad. I don't want to pretend that I have this horrible pain, but I have some chronic pain. And when it flares up, it makes me really cranky. So I can't imagine 
just being in this horrible pain, it would make me really cranky. I would be mean probably to everybody. But if you're very small, you have a very hard time with mobility. You are having this chronic pain. You can't really move because, you know, this debilitating disease disorder that you have and you're not getting the surgeries that you need. Are you really going to be able to push or pull a grown woman that is two, three times your size into an electric fence? That just doesn't really seem plausible. And I just, I don't know. I don't see it. Yeah, she could have been cranky and could have been, you know, could have said some things because she was in pain. But it doesn't seem like it would really be something that they, that would be very harmful to them. And you would think that they would know and they would see, okay, we really need to do these things for her. Unfortunately, these surgeries are expensive and the recovery time that it would take, she would be very dependent on them. And this would mean that their son, you know, this prodigy son who's excelling in physics and is getting into this really special school in Canada wouldn't be able to go to Canada because they would need to stay to take care of her surgeries and her medical stuff and they wouldn't be able to afford to move to Canada. This is her biological son, I have to add. So could it be that these medical expenses and responsibility would be enough to cause the family to make up this wild story and abandon their adoptive daughter? But what about the fact that they had concerns from the beginning and began talking to the doctor from the beginning about her age and questioning her age? Could it be a mixture of questioning her age and the burden of her medical issues? That, you know, it just became too much to have this disabled, very dependent daughter for them and they decided if they could show she was an adult at a time when she was mostly able to take care of herself, you know, she wasn't completely disabled, then they could move her out and get out from under her and not have the burden of her when she becomes very disabled? I don't know. I don't know. And of course, this trial's still going, so we don't know what the outcome of that's going to be. But what are your thoughts on this? I, I thought this was really interesting, and I put it in true crime because, I mean, this little girl was just abandoned. And so, I just found this to be a very interesting story, and I'd like your thoughts on it. So, leave comments. Let me know what you think. And that is our episode today. So, 
be on the lookout for the new uh, supernatural, mysterious, and everything weird podcast that's coming soon. And I will see you later. Bye.